0: look at Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 22 Jeremiah 8 and verse number 22 is there no bomb in Gilead? is there no physician there? why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people look at the first sentence of verse number 22 is there no bomb in Gilead? this morning just just going to take a few moments and I'm going to preach on the thought the bomb of Gilead the bomb of Gilead would you say that with me this morning the bomb say it again the bomb of Gilead you may be seated heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son Jesus we thank you for uh, your word today thank you for the opportunity to Open our hearts up and to listen to what you have to tell us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today. We pray that your word would go forth in power and that your word would go forth in boldness and that everything that is said and done would bring you the glory. And we will not fail to praise you for that. And everyone shouted a great big, everyone shouted a great big. We live in a world that is hurting. We live in a world that is broken. People are searching for answers more than ever before. Have you noticed that? Sometimes I think that uh, we get so busy having church that we forget that people are actually hurting, maybe on the same pew that you're sitting. It is so easy for us as a church to seclude ourselves in the four walls of this building where we ignore the issues of society. We can become so focused on being at church that we fail to be the church. We can become so insensitive to the needs around us that we forget that there is an urgency to act. As a church, I believe that we are called not to be a part of the problem. We're called to be a part of the solution. I am more interested in theology than I am theatrics. Have you, just recently, have you ever felt the pain of someone who don't know God? Does your heart break for the broken? Is your heart, how's your heart towards people? Are people just a tool to be used or do you view people as a soul that needs God? You see, my friends, people are your greatest investment because they will live on forever. I want you to think about it. People is your greatest investment. It's the only thing in life or in eternity that you'll get a return. The only thing is people. People matter to God. And my friends, they should matter to us. You see, I want to call your attention to a man in the Bible named Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet. You see, Jeremiah had a big heart for people. In fact, he cared so much for people that he is referred to as the weeping prophet. Because he would weep over his nation because of their spiritual corruption. He is considered one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. His ministry took place in Judah, a land that was straying from God. A land that was filled with corruption and sin. Jeremiah, the prophet, was living among them. And I want to tell you just a few reasons why Jeremiah is listed as a prophet who wept, as a weeping prophet. And the reason for that, I believe, is several things. Number one, the land in which he was living was in gross apostasy. They had rejected the principles and practices that had been delivered to them from God. They were mixing their worship with the worship of false gods. They were following the practices of other nations around them. And for decades, Israel had boasted about their own strength and took pride in their own wisdom and their own intellect and their own wealth. You see, the nation was so insensitive to their sin that they ignored the warnings of the prophet Jeremiah. They ignored the call to repentance The paradox of his day was this, that some of the people didn't even know that they were spiritually sick. It is no wonder Jeremiah was so grieved over the nation. It is no wonder that Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He was living in a land where they were straying from God. They were turning their back on God, and most of them could care less. I want you to see what the Lord said about these people. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 5, listen to the words of the Lord concerning these people. Why has the people slid back? Jerusalem in a perpetual backsliding. They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. Listen to what the Lord is saying here. These people are backsliding. These people hold fast to deceit and they refuse to repent. The Bible also says in Jeremiah 8 and verse 12, and I quote, this is from the Lord. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Do you see the environment that Jeremiah is living in? He is living among people who were rejecting the principles and precepts of the Word of God. And most of them could care less. They didn't blush about their sin. They didn't blush about their apostasy. They could care less. No wonder Jeremiah is aching within. No wonder Jeremiah is weeping. Jeremiah felt as though he was the only person that was serving God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt when you looked around, you saw so much apostasy and corruption and and, and people not serving the Lord, it became so discouraging that you felt you were the only one that had a passion for the Lord? I mean, Jeremiah was struggling within himself. He is a weeping prophet. And I want you to notice, and I want you to listen to Jeremiah's heart. You heard what God said, now listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 21 and verse 22, and I quote, this is the words of Jeremiah the prophet. You heard what the Lord said, but now listen to what Jeremiah says. For the hurt of my daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken a hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Why is there no... A physician there, why is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Listen to what Jeremiah is saying. Listen to the to the to the sincerity of his heart. He said, verse number 21, he says, I am hurting, I am mourning. Astonishment has taken a hold of me. And then he asks this rhetorical question: Is there no bomb in Gilead? Notice how Jeremiah is hurting for God's people. And I believe, my friends, that if this was the only words that was penned in the book of Jeremiah, then it would be enough to tell us that Jeremiah was a type of person that had compassion for people. He was the type of person that loved people. You see, the reason that he was mourning, the reason that he was weeping is because he cared for people. He loved people. He was moved because he loved his people. My friends, I think that we need to get back to the basics. And the basics is we need to love people again. Did you hear what pastor said? We need to love people again. We need to have the heart of Jeremiah. And we don't need to criticize people or put people down. But we need to have the heart of Jeremiah and ask the question, is there healing among us? And I would respond to that question, yes, there is healing among us. Notice that Jeremiah made a reference to the bomb of Gilead. You see, Let me explain to you why he made this reference to the bomb of Gilead. The bomb of Gilead was an actual healing salve that was found in Gilead, which was east of the Jordan. It was further away from Jordan. People would travel at great distance just to get this salve. Ancient doctors uh, would use this salve when all else would fail. They would use this salve. It's been recorded in history at some time that this healing salve would do uh, it would do almost the miraculous. There was nothing supernatural about it, but it would heal diseases that otherwise doctors felt at. This bomb was something that people wanted, and they would travel to get. The bomb was credited in healing the worst and most powerful, dreaded sicknesses. It was amazing what this bomb would do. And here the prophet Jeremiah is making a reference to this bomb. Now I want you to make sure you understand something. Jeremiah is metaphorically speaking here. He isn't speaking in a physical sense as if somebody is physically sick and they needs to be healed. Since the nation is spiritually sick, he is using something that is natural and comparing it to the spiritual realm. In other words, a literal bomb, the literal salve, can never solve the issues of the nation. It was going to have to take something much deeper than a physical bomb. Jeremiah is crying out for a spiritual bomb. He knows that a literal bomb can't solve the spiritual issues of the nation. It's going to have to take something deeper than a physical salve. It's going to have to take something deeper than the physical bomb. He is crying out for a spiritual bomb, a spiritual salve. Why? Because the nation is spiritually sick. And in order to treat the disease, it has to be a spiritual solution. He is crying for a spiritual salve, a spiritual recovery. You see, for years, my friends, for years, uh, we have called the disease of humanity other things. All of us this morning can relate to the book of Jeremiah. We are all spiritually sick. We are all sick. We have inherited the disease of sin, and all of us, in one way or another, has been affected by it. We are all spiritually sick. For years, we have tried to call this disease something else. We've called the disease a cultural thing. We've called it a personality thing. We've called it a disorder. We've called it a weakness. We've uh, uh, We've called it this, and we've called it that. We've washed it up. We've dressed it up. But however you want to wash it up and dress it up, it's the same thing. The disease of humanity is sin. No wonder Congress has to continue to pass laws and laws and laws and laws because we live in a lawless nation. Sin breaks laws. And that's the only thing the government can do. We don't know how to solve our problems. And the only way to solve our problems is to institute more laws and more recovery centers and more things to try to tame the fleshly desires of humanity. We all have been affected by this disease. Since the time of Adam, all of humanity has been affected by this spiritual disease of sin. And Judah was affected by it. The worst thing about Judah was, was they didn't care about it. They didn't care that they were sinning. In fact, the Lord said they didn't even blush at their sinning. You see, all of us has been affected by this. And we have used things to try to help us, haven't we? We have used education. We have used used entertainment. We have used religion. We have used this and we've used classes, we've used groups, we've used all kinds of things to try to help us. And those things have been successful to a certain extent. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 11, listen to the words of the Lord. For they have healed the herd of my daughter, of my people, slightly. They have healed my, the daughter of my people slightly. In other words, the Lord is saying this, Jeremiah... Your people have used entertainment, they've used religion, they've used this, they've used money, they've used all these external things and they've only helped slightly. You're gonna to have to find something else to help you. You're gonna to have to find something deeper than the external things. You're gonna to have to have a spiritual salve. You're gonna to have to have a spiritual salve. You listen, all those things that was used Only helped slightly. It medicated the symptoms, but it did not cure the disease. I want to say this and I want to say it loud and clear, my friends, is that you cannot help yourself. We are sicker than we realize. We cannot help ourselves. Listen to my heart this morning. We are sicker than we could ever imagine. We cannot help ourselves. No matter how many times that you put on pen and paper at a New Year's resolution that you won't do it and that you'll do better, and no matter how many times you spiritually slap yourself and tell yourself, I'll never do that again, I'll never do that again, I promise my family I'll never do it again, there, I want to let you know that sin is stronger than you are. You have to have something deeper than the external trappings of life. You can't help yourself. you got to have a spiritual salve. If you use education to help you, it just makes you sicker, and it makes it more subtle, and it makes it more deadly through human reason. Wealth makes it more res resourceful culture makes it more polished and sophisticated religion makes it appear to be more godly prisons make sin more vibrant and recreation makes sin more fun we've got to have help beyond our human limitations we need a spiritual bomb is there anybody in the building that would wave your hand and say pastor i agree with you we need a spiritual bomb We need something that will penetrate the hearts of people and bring about a lasting transformation. We need a spiritual bomb. We need something this morning that will break the powers of addiction and set people free. We need a spiritual bomb. We need something that will bring us back to life again. We need A spiritual balm. We need something this morning that will take us out of darkness and bring us in the light of his kingdom. We need a spiritual balm. We need something that will deliver us from the powers of sin and slavery and Satan and break the chain of sin and sickness off of our lives. We need a spiritual bomb. We need a spiritual bomb that will cause us to be free from the penalty and dominion of sin. Is there anybody in the building that agrees with the preacher this morning that we need something more than education? We need something more than wealth. We need something more than culture. We need something more than religion. We need something more than entertainment. We need something that will penetrate the hearts of humanity and bring about a change and set our souls free again Jesus is the spiritual bomb he is the spiritual bomb despite whatever condition you may find yourself in today or whatever misery or difficulty you may find yourself in today Jesus is the answer oh hallelujah I said, Jesus is the answer. I said, no matter what situation you may find yourself in, no matter what condition you may find yourself in, or whatever difficulty you may be going through today, Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. He is the answer to the lonely and the destitute. He is the answer to the down and the out. He is the answer to the broken and the hurting. He is the answer to the drug addict. He is the answer to the drug dealer. He is the answer to the alcoholic. He is the answer to the abused and the abuser. He is the answer to the confused and to the troubled. He is the answer to the oppressed, depressed, and possessed. He is the answer to the gambler. He is the answer to the sick person. He is the answer from Main Street to Wall Street. He is the answer at the White House, the schoolhouse, the crack house, the ho house, and the church house. He is the answer. He is the answer. He is a mind regulator. He is a bondage breaker. He is a heart fixer. And there is nobody greater. He is the bomb of Gilead. Woo! Jesus is the answer. Do what you're famous for, Lord. Do what you're famous for, Lord. Walk me through the fire. Shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life again. Do what you're famous for. Jesus is the bomb. of Gilead, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it clear in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, and I quote, Jesus is the only significance. Besides Jesus, nothing has any significance. He alone matters. There are several qualities about the bomb of Gilead that suggest to us that Jesus is our bomb number one the literal bomb came from a distant land. number one, the literal bomb of Gilead came from a distant land. The bomb is from a tree now. It's more like a shrub. If you looked at it, you wouldn't think anything ever productive would ever come from a shrub. As a matter of fact, you would probably get discouraged by looking at it. It was just a small tree. It was a shrub. And it came from the land east of the Jordan. Now, why is that important? Because the land east of the Jordan, people from from Jordan and Jerusalem, the surrounding areas would have to travel to get to the bomb. It was further away. It wasn't a common tree. It wasn't a tree that you had in your backyard. In the same way, this represents who Jesus is. Jesus is from a distant land. He is from another world. He came to give his life for us. Jesus did not come from the world Jesus came to the world. Jesus is from a distant land. God was tired of sending postcards, so God sent himself. God was tired of sending postcards, so God sent himself. Jesus is not from this world. Jesus came to this world. There is no earthly bomb, no human cure that could ever take care of the problems of the human heart. Nothing can. People are searching for answers. They're searching for the answers to the problems, but their answers cannot be found within them or around them. Jesus came from another world. Jesus is the spiritual bomb. The scripture records in Galatians 4 and verse number 4, and I quote, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman under the law. The Bible says in Acts 4, 12, and I quote, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says in Matthew 1 and 21, and I quote, and she shall bring forth a son, And shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The truth is, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are all hurting. And if this sickness is not recognized, you cannot receive the cure or you cannot apply the cure if you don't recognize that we're sick. We all have been affected by the disease, but there is nobody else that we can run to And there is nobody else that could help us. And there is nobody else that can take care of the disease of the human heart. Only Christ. Listen to what Peter said. Peter said, after all the disciples had walked away, after all the disciples become discouraged, Peter stood up and proclaimed these words. In John chapter 6, verse 66 through 68, from that time many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter made the declaration that there is nowhere I could go but to you. And the reason I should run to you is because you have the words of eternal life. I want to let you know that Jesus' words is greater than the internet Jesus' words is greater than Facebook. Jesus' words is greater, come on somebody, greater than the gossip that you hear every day. His words bring eternal refreshment. Where can I go? There's nowhere else I could go. You see, it's interesting to me that people had to travel long distance to get to the bomb because it was in a distant land. But Jesus here, Came to us. Jesus traveled to us. We don't have to travel long distance to get to the bomb. The bomb traveled to us. It came to where we are. It came to in our sin. It came to the place of our shame. It came to where we are. Number one, the bomb was from a distant land. Number two, the bomb was not a tree of beauty. It wasn't a tree of beauty. The tree was a shrub, like I said. It certainly didn't look like a tree with the ability to help anybody. It wasn't your dogwood tree, it wasn't your cherry blossom tree. As a matter of fact, if you would see it, you wouldn't even think it was profitable to do anything. It wasn't a tree of beauty. It represents Jesus. Listen to what the prophet said in Isaiah 53 and verse number 2 and I quote, for he, speaking of Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness and when you see him, there is no beauty that you should desire him. In other words, my friends, the tree was not a beautiful tree. Jesus And the story of Christianity isn't necessarily attractive to everybody. The cross is not necessarily attractive. The pierced side is not attractive. The striped back is not attractive. The wounded flesh is not attractive. There is no beauty in this tree. Can I remind you that although this tree is not beautiful, everything it touches Becomes beautiful. Hallelujah. I said even though the tree is not beautiful. Everything it touches. Becomes beautiful. There is a great exchange. That happens at the cross. Millions today. Have testified. That the bloody cross. Has brought redemption to them. Millions of people have testified. That the bloody cross. Has brought healing and redemption. And salvation to them. Something that was beautiful. Beautiful. Something that is gruesome, something that's unattractive is what brought redemption to all of us. If Jesus was crucified in modern day century, if Jesus walked among us now and he was crucified by the government, he wouldn't have been crucified on a cross. He would probably have been electrocuted at a chair. Fast forward it 2,000 years from now people would be wearing an electric chair around their neck as a form of redemption. That's how bizarre this is. If people from 2,000 years could go and travel to be with us today, they would look at that cross not as something to be worshipped and praised and hanging on thousands of churches across America. It was an electrocution chair to them. But now something that's bloody, an electrocution chair, something that's been despised by the Romans now is the hope of the world. Something that's unattractive now saves humanity. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I thank God that that unattractive tree saved me and redeemed me and pulled me up out of the miry clay and put my foot on a rock to stay? (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Tim Keller said it like this. My favorite author said it like this, and I quote, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dreamed to believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hope. In closing, my last point. The tree, the balm of Gilead, Represents Jesus, because number three, the tree had to be cut and broken in order, to the, in order for the salve, or the fluid, to flow. The medicine of the tree was not found in its leaves. The medicine was not found in its bark. It wasn't found in the root of the tree. It was found in the thick liquid, the salve that flowed out of the shrub. One of the ways that the fluid was released was you would break the stem of the shrub or you would cut it until the fluid began to flow. Jesus' body was pierced and broken for us. We are in the Lenten season. We are getting our hearts ready for Easter and Good Friday. We need to be reminded that Jesus' body was pierced and broken for us John the Baptist said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. It was his body that was broken. It was his back that was sh- shredded for you. His blood is the healing salve for the nations. The prophet said it clear in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, and I quote, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I want you to think about this just for a moment this morning. I want you to think about this principle. That in the Old Testament, Old Testament contained, is New Testament explained. That in the Old Testament, the blood of animals protected the Hebrews. On the night that the death angel passed through Egypt, they were saved because of the blood of animals protected them from the death angel. Let me propose this question to you, my friends, this morning. If the blood of animals could protect the Hebrews from the death angel, how much more should the blood of Jesus protect you and I? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. Sin, saints, sin stains are lost in its life giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. The blood! that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me the strength from day to day, it never loses its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It is the blood that gives me the strength from day to day, and the blood will never lose it's power. Somebody should bless the Lord today. The blood shall never lose its power. I said, the blood will never lose its power. The tree had to be cut and broken in order to the, for it to flow. Towards the ending of the book, Jeremiah doesn't leave his people in despair. He doesn't leave a black cloud of hopelessness over them. He leaves them with hope. And I want to let you know something today. People are hurting. People need to hear about hope. People need to know that there's hope beyond their issues and problems. Jeremiah, although he was discouraged about their sin, he was heartbroken. But towards the end of the book, God said to Jeremiah, tell my people this. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. And you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. Hallelujah. Do you know what God was saying? Even in the midst of all your sin, even in the midst of all your misery, in the midst of it, if you will just cry out to me, I'll answer you. Do you know what that tells me, Pastor Ingle? You don't have to be perfect to come to the Lord. You can cry out to the Lord even in the midst of your sin. And if you cry to him, he said, I'll answer you. I'll answer you right in the middle of your sin. If you call to me, If you search for me with all your heart, I answer you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Year, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this and I quote, God loves human beings. God loves the world. Not an ideal human, but human beings as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God, what we shrink back from with the pain and hostility, namely real human beings, the real world, this is for God, the ground of empathy. Loves the real world. He also said this, Jesus himself did not try to convert the two thieves on the cross. He waited until one of them turned to him. What about it? What about it? We need a supernatural salve to heal the brokenness of our heart. We have tried everything. Nothing works. Nothing. Church services don't even work no more. Sermons don't work. Pastors have to take nerve pills to live because people just don't want to worship no more. People don't want to come to church. People don't want to serve. People don't want, there's a, there's a complacency that hangs over the church. We're just, we're existing. The life of God has been sucked out of us. But I want to let you know, church services is not going to heal the brokenness of your heart. What's going to heal us is having an encounter with Jesus of the cross. Hallelujah. Max Cato said it like this, if our greatest need had been information, God had, would, would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. Since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. The angel said to the virgin, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear him say, Name him Jesus, for he shall give his people new cars, new houses, Tummy tucks and butt lifts. Because your greatest need is not that. Your greatest need is to be feel like you've been, have the feeling of absolution, that there is peace with Almighty God. That's the greatest need found in the human heart. And the Spirit of God is calling you today. What about it? Are you broken? Are you hurting? You say, Pastor, I need to come and I need to feel the strength of the Holy Spirit again. I need to take a bath. I need I need the salve once again.